the Duchess of Malfi. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Duchess of Malfi by John Webster. Act Four, Scene One. Enter Ferdinand and Basola. How doth our sister Duchess bear herself in her imprisonment? Nobly. I'll describe her. She's sad as one long used to it, and she seems rather to welcome the end of misery than shun it. A behaviour so noble as gives a majesty to adversity. You may discern the shape of loveliness more perfect in her tears than in her smiles. She will muse for hours together, and her silence, methinks, expresseth more than if she spake. Her melancholy seems to be fortified with a strange disdain. Tis so, and this restraint, like English mastiffs that grow fierce with tying, makes her too passionately apprehend those pleasures she is kept from. Curse upon her! I will no longer study in the book of another's heart. Inform her what I told you. Exit. Enter Duchess and attendants. All comfort to your grace. I will have none. Pray thee, why dost thou wrap thy poisoned pills in gold and sugar? Your elder brother, the Lord Ferdinand, is come to visit you, and sends you word, cause he once rashly made a solemn vow never to see you more, he comes in night, and prays you, gently, neither torch nor taper shine in your chamber. He will kiss your hand and reconcile himself, but for his vow he dares not see you. At his pleasure. Take hence the lights. He's come. Excellent attendance with lights. Enter Ferdinand. Where are you? Here, sir. This darkness suits you well? I would ask you pardon. You have it, for I account it the honorablest revenge, where I may kill to pardon. Where are your cubs? Whom? Oh, call them your children, for though our national law distinguish bastards from true, legitimate issue, compassionate nature makes them all equal. Do you visit me for this? You violate a sacrament of the church shall make you howl in hell for it. It had been well could you have lived thus always, for indeed you were too much in the light. But no more. I come to seal my peace with you. Here's a hand. Gives her a dead man's hand. To which you have vowed much love. The ring upon you gave. I affectionately kiss it. Pray do. And bury the point of it in your heart. I will leave this ring with you for a love token, and the hand as sure as the ring, and do not doubt but you shall have the heart, too. When you need a friend, send to him that owed it. You shall see whether he can aid you. You are very cold. I fear you are not well after your travel. Ah, lights! Oh, horrible! Let her have lights enough. Excellent. 
What witchcraft doth he practice that he hath left a dead man's hand here? Here is discovered behind a traverse the artificial figures of Antonio and his children, appearing as if they were dead. Look you, here's the piece from which twas ta'en. He doth present you this sad spectacle, that now you know directly they are dead, hereafter you may wisely cease to grieve for that which cannot be recovered. <sighs> there is not between heaven and earth one wish I stay for after this. It wastes me more than t'were my picture fashioned out of wax, stuck with a magical needle and then buried in some foul dunghill. And yon's an excellent property for a tyrant, which I would account mercy. What's that? If they would bind me to that lifeless trunk and let me freeze to death. Come, you must live. That's the greatest torture souls feel in hell, in hell that they must live and cannot die. Portia, I'll new kindle thy coals again and revive the rare and almost dead example of a loving wife. Oh, fie! Despair! Remember, you are a Christian. The church enjoins fasting. I'll starve myself to death. Leave this vain sorrow. Things being at the worst begin to mend. The bee, when he hath shot his sting into your hand, may then play with your eyelid. Good, comfortable fellow. Persuade a wretch that's broke upon the wheel to have all his bones new set. Entreat him live to be executed again. Who must dispatch me? I account this world a tedious theatre, for I do play a part in't against my will. Come, be of comfort. I will save your life. Indeed, I have not leisure to tend so small a business. Now, by my life, I pity you. Thou art a fool, then, to waste thy pity on a thing so wretched as cannot pity itself. I am full of daggers. Puff, let me blow these vipers from me. Enter servant. What are you? One that wishes you long life. I would thou wert hanged for the horrible curse thou hast given me. I shall shortly grow one of the miracles of pity. I'll go pray. Exit servant. No, I'll go curse. Oh, fie! I could curse the stars. Oh, fearful! And those three smiling seasons of the year into a Russian winter, nay, the world to its first chaos. Look you, the stars shine still. Oh, but you must remember my curse hath a great way to go. Plagues that make lanes through largest families consume them. Fie, lady! Let them, like tyrants, never be remembered but for the ill they have done. Let all the zealous prayers of mortified churchmen forget them. Oh, uncharitable! Let heaven a little while cease crowning martyrs to punish them. Go, howl them this, and say I long to bleed. It is some mercy when men kill with speed. Exit. Re-enter Ferdinand. Excellent! As I would wish! She's plagued in art. These presentations are but framed in wax. By the curious master in that quality, Vincenzo Loriola, and she takes them for true, substantial bodies. Why do you do this? To bring her to despair. Faith, end here, and go no farther in your cruelty. 
send her a penitential garment to put on next to her delicate skin and furnish her with beads and prayer books. Damn her! That body of hers! While that my blood ran pure and was more worth than that which thou wouldst comfort, call the soul. I will send her masks of common courtesans, have her meat served up by bods and ruffians, and cause she'll needs be mad, I am resolved to remove forth the common hospital, all the mad folk, and place them near her lodging. Then let them practice together, sing and dance, and set their gambols to the full of the moon. If she can sleep the better for it, let her. Your work is almost ended. Must I see her again? Yes. Never. You must. Never in mine own shape. That's forfeited by my intelligence and this last cruel lie. When you send me next, the business shall be comfort. Very likely. Thy pity is nothing of kin to thee. Antonio looks about Millen. Thou shalt shortly thither to feed a fire as great as my revenge, which never will slack till it have spent his fuel. Intemperate agues make physicians cruel. Excellent. Scene two. Enter Duchess and Cariola. What hideous noise was that? Tis the wild consort of madmen, lady, which your tyrant brother hath placed about your lodging. This tyranny, I think, was never practiced till this hour. Indeed, I thank him. Nothing but noise and folly can keep me in my right wits, whereas reason and silence make me stark mad. Sit down. Discourse to me some dismal tragedy. Oh, twill increase your melancholy. Thou art deceived. To hear of greater grief would lessen mine. This is a prison. Yes, but you shall live to shake this durance off. Thou art a fool. The robin red breast and the nightingale never live long in cages. Pray, dry your eyes. What think you of, madam? Of nothing. When I muse thus, I sleep. Like a madman with your eyes open. Dost thou think... We shall know one another in the other world. Yes, out of question. Oh, that it were possible we might but hold some two days' conference with the dead. From them I should learn somewhat I am sure I never shall know here. I'll tell thee a miracle. I am not mad yet to my cause of sorrow. The heaven o'er my head seems made of molten brass, the earth of flaming sulphur. Yet I am not mad. I am acquainted with sad misery as the tanned galley-slave is with his oar. Necessity makes me suffer constantly, and custom makes it easy. Who do I look like now? Like to your picture in the gallery. A deal of life in show, but none in practice. Or rather like some reverend monument whose ruins are even pitied. Very proper and fortune seems only to have her eyesight to behold my tragedy. How now? What noise is that? Enter servant. I am come to tell you your brother hath intended you some sport. A great physician, when the Pope was sick of a deep melancholy, presented him with several sorts of madmen, which wild object being full of change and sport forced him to laugh. And so the imposthume broke. 
the self-same cure that Duke intends on you. Let them come in. There's a mad lawyer and a secular priest, a doctor that hath forfeited his wits by jealousy, an astrologian that in his work said such a day of the month should be the day of doom, and, failing of to ran mad, an English tailor crazed i' the brain with the study of new fashions, a gentleman usher quite beside himself with care to keep in mind the number of his lady's salutations, or how do she employed him each morning, a farmer too, an excellent knave in grain, mad cause he was hindered transportation, and let one broker that's mad loose to these, you'd think the devil were among them. Sit, Cariola. Let them loose when you please, for I am chained to endure all your tyranny. Enter Madman. Here by a madman the song is sung to a dismal kind of music. Oh, let us howl some heavy note, some deadly dogged howl, sounding as from the threatening throat of beasts and fatal fowl. As ravens screech owls, bulls and bears, will bell and bawl our parts, till irksome noise have cloyed your ears, and corrosive ed your hearts. At last, when as our choir wants breath, our bodies being blessed, will sing like swans to welcome death, and die in love and rest. Doomsday not come yet. I'll draw it nearer by a perspective, or make a glass that shall set all the world on fire upon an instant. I cannot sleep. My pillow is stuffed with a litter of porcupines. Hell is a mere glass house, where the devils are continually blowing up women's souls on hollow irons, and the fire never goes out. I have skill in heraldry. Hast? You give for your crest a woodcock's head, with the brains picked out on it. You are a very ancient gentleman. Greek is turned Turk. We are only to be saved by the Helvetian translation. Come on, sir. I will lay the law to you. Oh, rather lay a corrosive. The law will eat to the bone. He that drinks but to satisfy nature is damned. If I had my glass here, I would show a sight should make all the women here call me Mad Doctor. What's he? A rope-maker? No, no, no. A snuffling knave, that while he shows the tombs, will have his hand in a wench's placket. Woe to the carosh that brought home my wife from the mask at three o'clock in the morning. It had a large feather bed in it. I have pared the devil's nails forty times, roasted them in raven's eggs, and cured agues with them. Get me three hundred milch-bats to make possets to procure sleep. All the college may throw their caps at me. I have made a soap-boiler costive. It was my masterpiece. Here the dance, consisting of eight madmen, with music answerable thereunto, after which Basola, like an old man, enters. Is he mad too? Pray question him. I'll leave you. Excellent servant and madman. I am come to make thy tomb. Huh. My tomb? Thou speak'st as if I lay upon my deathbed, gasping for breath. Dost thou perceive me sick? Yes, and the more dangerously. 
since thy sickness is insensible. Thou art not mad, sure. Dost know me? Yes. Who am I? Thou art a box of worm-seed, at best but a salvatory of green mummy. What's this flesh? A little curded milk, fantastical puff-paste. Our bodies are weaker than those paper prisons boys use to keep flies in. More contemptible, since ours is to preserve earthworms. Didst thou ever see a lark in a cage? Such is the soul in the body. This world is like her little turf of grass, and the heaven o'er our heads, like her looking-glass, only gives us a miserable knowledge of the small compass of our prison. Am not I thy duchess? Thou art some great woman, sure. For riot begins to sit on thy forehead, clad in grey hairs, twenty years sooner than on a merry milkmaid's. Thou sleepest worse than if a mouse should be forced to take up her lodging in a cat's ear. A little infant that breeds its teeth, should it lie with thee, will cry out, as if thou wert the more unquiet bedfellow. I am Duchess of Malfi still. That makes thy sleep so broken. Glories like glow-worms afar off shine bright, but looked too near, have neither heat nor light. Thou art very plain. My trade is to flatter the dead, not the living. I am a tomb-maker. And thou comest to make my tomb? Yes. <laughs> Let me be a little merry. Of what stuff wilt thou make it? Nay, resolve me first. Of what fashion? Why, do we grow fantastical on our deathbed? Do we affect fashion in the grave? Most ambitiously. Princes' images on their tombs do not lie as they were wont, seeming to pray up to heaven but with their hands under their cheeks, as if they died of a toothache. They're not carved with their eyes fixed upon the stars, but, as their minds were wholly bent upon the world, the selfsame way they seemed to turn their faces. Let me know fully, therefore, the effect of this thy dismal preparation, this talk fit for a charnel. Now I shall. Enter executioners, with a coffin, cords, and a bell. Here is a present from your princely brothers, and may it arrive welcome, for it brings last benefit, last sorrow. Let me see it. I have so much obedience in my blood, I wish it in their veins to do them good. This is your last presence chamber. Oh, my sweet lady! Peace. It affrights not me. I am the common bellman that usually is sent to condemned persons the night before they suffer. Even now thou saidst thou wast a tomb-maker. T'was to bring you by degrees to mortification. Listen. Hark, now everything is still. The screech-owl and the whistler shrill call upon our dame aloud and bid her quickly don her shroud. 
much you had of land and rent, your length in clay's now competent. A long war disturbed your mind, here your perfect peace is signed. Of what is fools make such vain keeping? Sin, their conception, their birth, weeping, their life, a general mist of error, their death, a hideous storm of terror. Strew your hair with powders sweet, don clean linen, bathe your feet, and the foul fiend more to check, a crucifix, let bless your neck. Tis now full tide, tween night and day, end your groan, and come away. Hence. Villains, tyrants, murderers, alas! What will you do with my lady? Call for help! To whom? To our next neighbours. They are mad folks. Remove that noise. Farewell, Cariola. In my last will I have not much to give. How many hungry guests have fed upon me. Thine will be a poor reversion. I will die with her! I pray thee. Look, thou givest my little boy some syrup for his cold. And let the girl say her prayers ere she sleep. Cariola is forced out by the executioners. Now, what you please. What death? Strangling. Here are your executioners. I forgive them. The apoplexy, catarrh, or cough of the lungs would do as much as they do. Doth not death fright you? Who would be afraid, aunt, knowing to meet such excellent company in the other world? Yet, methinks, the manner of your death should much afflict you. This cold should terrify you. Not a whit. What would it pleasure me to have my throat cut with diamonds, or to be smothered with cassia, or to be shot to death with pearls? I know death hath ten thousand several doors for men to take their exits, and tis found they go on such strange geometrical hinges you may open them both ways. Anyway, for heaven's sake, so I were out of your whispering. Tell my brothers that I perceive death now I am well awake. Best gift is they can give or I can take. I would fain put off my last woman's fault— I'd not be tedious to you. We are ready. Dispose my breath how please you, but my body bestow upon my women, will you? Yes. Pull, and pull strongly, for your able strength must pull down heaven upon me. Yet stay. Heaven's gates are not so highly arched as princes' palaces. They that enter there must go upon their knees. Kneels. Come. Violent death, serve for Mandragora to make me sleep. Go tell my brothers, when I am laid out, they then may feed in quiet. They strangle her. Where's the waiting woman? Fetch her. Some other strangle the children. Enter Cariola. Look you, there sleeps your mistress. Oh, you are damned perpetually for this. My turn is next. It's not so ordered. Yes, and I'm glad you're so well prepared for it. You are deceived, sir. I am not prepared for it. I will not die. I will first come to my answer and know how I have offended. 
Come, dispatcher. You kept her counsel. Now you shall keep ours. I will not die. I must not. I am contracted to a young gentleman. Here's your wedding ring. Let me but speak with the duke. I'll discover treason to his person. Delays? Throttle her! She bites and scratches. If you kill me now, I am damned. I have not been at confession this two years. To executioners. When? I am quick with child. Why then, your credit saved. Executioners strangle. Cariola. Bear her into the next room. Let these lie still. Exit the executioners with the body of Cariola. Enter Ferdinand. Is she dead? She is what you'd have her. But here begin your pity. Shows the children strangled. Alas! How have these offended? The death of young wolves is never to be pitied. Fix your eye here. Constantly. Do you not weep? Other sins only speak. Murder shrieks out. The element of water moistens the earth, but blood flies upwards and bedews the heavens. Cover her face. Mine eyes dazzle. She died young. I think not so. Her infelicity seemed to have years too many. She and I were twins. And I should die this instant. I had lived her time to a minute. It seems she was born first. You have bloodily approved the ancient truth. That kindred commonly do worse agree than remote strangers. Let me see her face again. Why didst not thou pity her? What an excellent, honest man mightst thou have been if thou hadst borne her to some sanctuary, or, bold in good cause, opposed thyself with thy advanced sword above thy head between her innocence and my revenge. I bade thee when I was distracted of my wits. Go kill my dearest friend, and thou hast done t For let me but examine well the cause. What was the meanness of her match to me? Only I must confess I had a hope, had she continued widow, to have gained an infinite mass of treasure by her death. And that was the main cause, her marriage. That drew a stream of gall quite through my heart. For thee, as we observe in tragedies that a good actor many times is cursed for playing a villain's part, I hate thee for it. And for my sake, say, thou hast done much ill well. Let me quicken your memory, for I perceive you are falling into ingratitude. I challenge the reward due to my service. I'll tell thee what I'll give thee. Do. I'll give thee a pardon for this murder. Huh? Yes, and tis the largest bounty I can study to do thee. By what authority didst thou execute this bloody sentence? By yours. Mine? Was I her judge? Did any ceremonial form of law doom her to not being? Did a complete jury deliver her conviction up in the court? Where shalt thou find this judgment registered unless in hell? See, like a bloody fool, thou hast forfeited thy life, and thou shalt die for it. 
the office of justice is perverted quite when one thief hangs another. Who shall dare to reveal this? Oh, I'll tell thee. The wolf shall find her grave and scrape it up, not to devour the corpse, but to discover the horrid murder. You, not I, shall quake for it. Leave me. I will first receive my pension. You are a villain. When your ingratitude is judged, I am so. Oh, horror, that not the fear of him which binds the devils can prescribe man obedience. Never look upon me more. Why, fare thee well. Your brother and yourself are worthy men. You have a pair of hearts are hollow graves, rotten and rotting others. And your vengeance, like two chained bullets, still goes arm in arm. You may be brothers, for treason, like the plague, doth take much in a blood. I stand like one that hath long ta'en a sweet and golden dream. I'm angry with myself now that I wake. Get thee into some unknown part of the world that I may never see thee. Let me know wherefore I should be thus neglected. Sir, I served your tyranny, and rather strove to satisfy yourself than all the world. And though I loathe the evil, yet I love you that did counsel it, and rather sought to appear a true servant than an honest man. I'll go hunt the badger by owl light. Tis a deed of darkness. Exit. <sighs> He's much distracted. Off my painted honour. While with vain hopes our faculties we tire, we seem to sweat in ice and freeze in fire. What would I do were this to do again? I would not change my peace of conscience for all the wealth of Europe. She stirs. Here's life. Return, fair soul, from darkness, and lead mine out of this sensible hell. She's warm. She breathes. Upon thy pale lips I will melt my heart to store them with fresh colour. Who's there? Some cordial drink. Alas, I dare not call. So pity would destroy pity. Her eye opes, and heaven in it seems to ope that late was shut to take me up to mercy. Antonio. Yes, madam. He is living. The dead bodies you saw were but feigned statues. He's reconciled to your brothers. The Pope hath wrought the atonement. Mercy. Dies. Oh, she's gone again. There the cords of life broke. Oh, sacred innocence, that sweetly sleeps on turtle's feathers, whilst a guilty conscience is a black register wherein is writ all our good deeds and bad, a perspective that shows us hell. That we cannot be suffered to do good when we have a mind to it. This is manly sorrow. These tears, I'm very certain, never grew in my mother's milk. My estate is sunk below the degree of fear. Where were these penitent fountains while she was living? Oh, they were frozen up. Here 
is a sight as direful to my soul as is the sword unto a wretch hath slain his father. Come, I'll bear thee hence, and execute thy last will, that's deliver thy body to the reverend dispose of some good women, that the cruel tyrant shall not deny me. Then I'll post to Milan, where somewhat I will speedily enact, worth my dejection. Exit with the body. <laughs>